Chapter Twenty Two of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kualada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Chapter Twenty Two. Paul is cast into prison. On the morning of the third day following his arrest, Paul leisurely wended his way down the crowded thoroughfare. He walked erect; his eyes were bright, and his face was the picture of happiness. He puzzled the older heads and was the idol of the young. To the church people, he was an enigma. Some praising, other condemning. But to the world at large, he was a jewel. Are you Mister Paul Thornton? Pleasantly inquired one of the Queen's couriers. Paul was as if thunderstruck. He stood and looked at the courier in utter amazement. By what manner of means has she discovered my name? Thought Paul. He was thrown out of balance for a moment. What can I do for you? Said Paul simply. I have a communication from Queen Angelina for Mister Paul Thornton," said the little royal courier, displaying a packet embossed with the royal seal. "If the packet is intended for me, I will take pleasure in accepting it. Convey to Angelina my very best wishes." Thrusting the letter in an inside pocket, Paul's eyes swept the avenue, which, as usual, was thronged with people. The masses gave evidence of their pleasure over the recent event by three cheers for the queen with American zeal and enthusiasm. Paul was unable to determine whether this unexpected outburst of applause was given for the queen's evident change in attitude towards him, or as a slap in the face. Without assuming to take the outspoken tribute in any but a pleasant manner, he resumed his walk. And at first opportunity, took a car for the country retreat. Breaking the seal, he could not check a smile upon reading the contents. The queen presents her respects to Mister Paul Thornton, and urgently requests his presence at a private reception to be held at the royal palace and given in his honor on this day at high noon. I will go. Was his only comment. While the band was discoursing sweet music, Paul was doing his utmost to amuse and entertain a strikingly beautiful woman. His reception was attended with all the pomp and magnificence of a titled sovereign, and no one could have asked for a more genuine welcome. Tell me about yourself, Mister Thornton. She spoke with ease and with the air of a woman of culture and refinement. I will gladly give you the information," replied he, "if you will inform me well and truly how you came into possession of my name. That is my secret," laughed she. "Some day, no doubt, you will know, but surely you will not refuse me the information desired. You should bear in mind that you are the subject of much gossip and speculation." And as I am supposed to know all my subjects, I do not ask anything unreasonable. 
Was your kind invitation to a reception given in my honor a diplomatic maneuver, an artful dodge, to inveigle me to your side and answer questions? Asked Paul, adding, "I give you fair warning: neither deception nor trickery will ever succeed in tempering the wind, nor will it blot out the memory of unpleasant thoughts. I speak plainly, but mean no disrespect." You speak in riddles, Mister Thornton. I have ordered men to be chained in the dungeon for far less threatening language," said she, smiling. "But I am willing to overlook your defiant attitude in the hope of arriving at a more amicable understanding. Being a stranger and under a ban, the public is clamoring for your history and your purposes among the people. In bringing you here, I do you honor. And in choosing this means, I did so out of respect for you. You happen to forget the insult tendered me a few days ago. I forget nothing," she said, shifting uneasily in her rocker. "You publicly refused to recognize the queen and went so far as to call me queen usurper." Her face was flushed, and her words came from trembling lips. My predecessor was drowned. And I am queen of the kingdom by vested rights, and my word is law, Mister Thornton. Though empires fall, he whose right it is shall reign, is an old saying, but a prophetic one, nevertheless. Answered Paul. Am I to understand, Mister Thornton, that your appearance here is to preach the gospel? Or do you use Christianity and your intelligence as instruments to carry out certain designs and purposes? I want your answer, ye or nay. God is running Paul Thornton, Madame, and so long as he continues as he has in the past, I am not going to throw an obstacle in his way. I am surprised," she exclaimed desperately. That God would make one of His creatures an instrument to ruin the life of a pure woman. What meanest thou, speak woman? Paul said, not divining her meaning. You know well enough what I mean, Mister Thornton. Let your mind go back to your native home for a moment. I am not ignorant of your past, and now let me give you fair warning. To use your own words, if it is war between us. I will banish you from my kingdom, and you will live here bearing the stigma of disgrace, such as was given to one of your sweethearts a few weeks ago, whom you allowed to die a moral and social death. Then we understand each other," calmly replied he, rising, "and I will take my leave. No, be good enough to remain seated. I have a proposition. Then speak quickly, for I have work to do. Said Paul, still standing. Leaving her easy chair and going up to Paul, she looked him square in the eye. Paul Thornton, I know your plans. You seek to destroy me in order to build up another. You came to my kingdom as a wolf in sheep's clothing, but fortunately, I happen to know that your designs are not so much in divinity as to create dissensions among my people. Dethrone me. And built a nest for your love and yourself. I speak plainly. Pardon me for using your phrases, and still I mean no disrespect. There is time for you to save your friends' endless worry and trouble, 
and yourself exposure and banishment. I have the evidence and I have the power. It is for you to decide. Go on," said Paul calmly. "I am still your guest, and God is never alarmed, nor does He turn pale and tremble at the words of kings or queens." Oh," she cried in anguish, her eyes becoming moist with tears. "Have you no heart? Would you punish a woman? Punish you? Why should I do that?" Advancing closer and laying her head on Paul's shoulder, she sobbed. And between her sobs, she begged and pleaded for mercy, and made proposals that shocked him. When she had fairly exhausted her resources in cunning, in flattery, in proposals, and in sophistry, Paul raised her head, unclasped her arms that entwined around his neck, and deliberately walked away. As Paul was parting the costly portiers in making his exit. He turned round to bid his host adieu when he discovered she had flown. He hastened on, not dreaming of the fate in store for him. Escape from the palace was not without difficulties, as Paul soon learned. And while the band still played, he was being chained and imprisoned. End of chapter twenty-two of the Queen of Appalachia. Paul is cast into prison. Recording by Kualada.